Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Super excited today. We got the man, the myth, the legend. What's up, Chad? How you doing, brother? (laughs) What's going on, Brandon? Good to be here, man. Yeah, I appreciate you jumping on. I know you are coming from South America right now. Uh, how's right. that? How's the weather down there? Man, it's great. It's a little bit cloudy today, but it's like 70 degrees every day, man. So I can't complain. I wasn't missing the snow this winter for sure. That's right. That's right. So in the States, where are you from originally? Originally, originally, I, I bounced around a little bit, but originally yeah. I'm from the Cleveland, Ohio area. Okay. And then you didn't stay too long there, right? Then you went to, sorry, yeah, where was I was stationed in the military. I, I okay. wanted to see the world. And so I joined the army and nice. they, sent, they sent me to Kansas. <laughs> Kansas, yeah. <laughs> I spent some time in Kansas and then lived in Alaska for a few years okay. and, and then came back to Kansas City for a few years, man. So just kind of bounced around the States a little bit. Yeah. I feel like as I pull more out of you, when it comes down to real estate, we'll figure out more of why you're in South America right now. But for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly like who you are or what you're about, do you mind just giving a rundown of like what you do? Yeah, my name's Chad Bartlett with the Autopilot Life and and I created the Autopilot Life. It's all about putting your business on autopilot so you can live the life that you want to live. And I'm able to mirror that and model that as, you know, I've been blessed to be able to travel around full time with my family for you know, almost two years now, since 2018, I've been traveling full time with my family and sharing some of those techniques and formulas with some of the students along the way too, man. It's been a blast. Love it. And you do speaking engagements, you do coaching, you've been on stage with some big name people as well, right? Yeah, man. I don't like to toot, but I'll toot a little bit. Toot it up just so people know like who, what kind of caliber we're dealing with right now, yeah, why they man. should be tuning in. Yeah, man. I've taught a lot of the major cities in the U.S. I used to do travel engagements and do speaking engagements through most of the cities in the, in the U.S. and a lot of the non-major cities as well. Then I picked up some international tours. So I, I would do speaking engagements in the Caribbean and Australia, New Zealand, places like that. I've been blessed to be able to share the stage with, with Cody Sperber and Joe Polish and spoke at Dean Braziosi's events a number of times as well. So um, a little bit of it, everything uh, everywhere, talking about real estate automation and lifestyle creation. Nice. I love it. So how long have you been doing real estate at this point and why real estate? Like what was that spark that started getting you into real estate? Great question, man. I've been trying to figure out real estate since 2011. You know, that's yeah. when I, that, that's when it, it kind of planted the seed for me. Sure. I was working as an auto mechanic and I was doing that for a number of years, just trying to provide for my family. I've got four kids. Got wife, four kids. And, okay. Uh, in the transition period, when I first got into real estate, I had two kids and I was just trying to figure out a way to just be more present with them, to be honest with you, Brandon. Like I was just trying to figure out how could I spend more time with my family? I knew auto mechanics was slowly killing me. You know, um, it's like a big puzzle to figure out, which was fun. And when a car comes in and you fix it and it leaves, like that's instant gratification that you did something that made a difference. And a lot of jobs don't have that. But the hours were killing me. I would come home covered in grease and oil, yeah. and dust and metal flakes and 
be burnt from you know doing uh, welding work on the exhausts and I can't hold my kids at right away when I got home you know just because I'd be so filthy and dirty so that's how I figured out I wanted to do real estate I just I went to college and I got my degree and I couldn't make any money with that and I'm stuck still in mechanics so real estate was just an opportunity for me to try to break free and spend more time with my families really what happened that was kind of my back was against the wall, so to speak, of I know what my life's going to look like in 20 years if I continue down this path, and that's yeah. not what I want. So, so you saw the freedom that it could provide for you and for your family as well, so that's what you're shooting for. Was there anyone that like inspired you or people in your family or somebody that kind of, because there's people out there that don't even realize that like real estate could give them that freedom, right? Yeah, that's true. I didn't really have anybody in my life that I could look at and say, okay, this is an entrepreneur. They're, they're building their own business, man. I just, I was kind of in a situation where I was just willing to try anything to create what I sure. needed to do, you know? And, and if I look back on that moment in my life, it's like real estate was just a vehicle, right? Like that's going to take me to create what I need to create, but it's not the destination, you know? Yeah. I like real estate, but I like more what real estate lets me do. I love that. That's so good. So where, where'd you get the education from? I started off with training under Dean Graziosi. That was okay. my mentor to begin with, man. Him and uh, I don't know if anybody knows Matt Larson, but Matt Larson is an absolute beast. And if people don't know who that is, they should look him up, man. But, you know, I didn't know what wholesaling was. I didn't know that you could make money in real estate with no money. And, you know, as an absolute newbie, new zero, I was like, man, that doesn't make any sense. You know, but it piqued my curiosity. And, and so, you know, I checked out a book at the library and I read the, the book at the library because I was too cheap to buy a course at first. Yeah. <laughs> and after I read the book, I was like, okay, like now this makes sense. I'm ready to take the leap. The book gave me the, the confidence, okay. but I needed some help to get to the next level. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. For me, I ended up going to an event you know, one of those pop-up events. And it ended up being one of Dean's uh, courses, his, his seminars, I guess. He wasn't personally there, but his guys were selling his products. And I ran to the back. I picked up, you know, three grand worth of CDs to learn tax deficiencies at the time. And yeah, it kind of gave me the motivation in the beginning. And then I didn't do anything with it. But down the line, I started, you know, really soaking up the free education, the, the books, the podcast, the YouTube and then start networking a lot. So very similar in the beginning. So if I, I didn't take as much action as you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. So tell me what the process has been and, and what it's looked like from, from then once you got your education to now. You know, what, what kind of portfolio are you looking at? What strategy did you initially start off with to where you might be now? Absolutely, yeah. When I got started, it was all about wholesaling. Living in Alaska is where I was at when I started getting into real estate. And I was just grinding, you know, wake up early before work, before I was turning wrenches, you know, be on the computer, trying to scope out some deals for wholesale and then go to work and then come back home, spend time with the family. They go to bed. I'm up late, just trying to crack the nut, man, just trying to figure out this whole game. And it took me six months of me hitting my head against the wall of failure after failure, you know, doors closing in my face, people laughing at me, telling me I don't know how to do real estate for me to realize, you know, I was at an event one time and they said, stop doing what's not working. And that's the simplest thing in the world, right? It's like, stop yeah, yeah. doing what's not working. 
But in my head, I was just like, okay, I'm, I, I got to just keep on this path. I got to keep on this path. But really what I needed to do is just make a slight pivot. And what yeah, I did and, was I and to- Sometimes that's that key, like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily tell people to give up because sometimes it's that scenario, you're three feet from gold, right? You're so close to it. So stay persistent, but maybe coach, a mentor, or somebody can give you just that little pivot to make whatever is not working start just naturally flowing for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're willing to put in the work, you just got to make sure that you're putting it in the right effort, man. You yeah, the right work, right? I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I would have just said, hey, this isn't working for me and just given up. And I'm sure a lot of people do that and they don't realize how close they were to their first deal or whatever the success is for them. For me, it was to figure out, like, I was working so hard, but was I working as efficiently as I should have been? And was I focusing on the right strategies and the right techniques? What wasn't working for me was I was just banging my head against the wall trying to figure out Anchorage. What I did was I said, you know what? I know Kansas City in my adult life well enough that I can start deploying marketing down there. And let me see if I can do some deals there. So that's what I did. That was that moment in my life where I just pivoted to a new market. And within 30 days, I got my first deal. Oh, really? Nice. The title company mailed me up my check from Kansas City to Alaska. My wife picked it up in the mail. She brought it to the mechanic shop and brought it to me. And we just sat there and we said, you know what? Like, it's real now. Yeah. You could see other people do it. And it gives you the confidence. Like, if that knucklehead could do it, I can do it too. Yeah. But then when you get your first check, it's just like, wow, if I could do one, I could do a hundred of these, sure. you know, and that's when it became real. So I just started focusing a hundred percent in Kansas city. And three months later, I was able to quit my job. I, wow. I quit my mechanics job. We packed up everything and, and we moved to Kansas city. Oh, you did. Yeah. So you moved, you, you went full in all in just to get closer to, to your area, right? That's right. Yeah. That's exactly what my mindset was. Yeah. And you know what, now that I can do this full time, now that I'm not, I'm not trying to juggle this between my full time job, I'm going all in, let's go to Kansas City. But I'll, I'll tell you, Brandon, I made a big mistake because when I was living in Alaska, I was relying on a lot of people to do a lot of things for me. When I moved to Kansas City, I was like, man, I'm the CEO, I got to do everything. Yeah, this really took a hit. And that really is what kind of spurred this whole autopilot life mentality is okay. I ended up creating a business for myself that mirrored or or was worse than the business that I left in my auto mechanics job because it's stress you know when you're yeah. when your income supplies on your efforts that's, yeah. that's stress right yep and so I just needed to look at what I had created and, and look backwards and look forwards and just realize like I can make a change so it's time for another pivot you know instead of me doing everything in my business let me figure out how to systematize my business and break it apart so that i can rebuild it the way that i want to build it as entrepreneurs we have that great gift right like we have the gift to be able to create something out of nothing yeah i had created something that i hated you know so I, i took the opportunity to actually step back from it and rebuild it man I love that. It's funny how like the the first few months you were on somewhat of autopilot, like you were just, it it was starting out, but you were relying on other people. You were outsourcing because you had to, you know, long distance away. Right. And then once you move over to the new location, it's natural for us to like try to do everything ourselves. But the, the one man band can only do like so much, right? You can't be an expert in all areas. And it's also holding you back from scaling. 
So I, I'm a very similar situation, you know, like we, we live in San Diego, but when I first started getting my portfolio going, it was all in Ohio and I had no choice but to rely on other people outsource. And so I'm not doing all the work myself, but uh, it, it's funny to see, you know, just the mindset shift because we've traveled over there because we couldn't get good enough numbers on things. And then I was wasting my time painting, you know, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's easy to fall into that trap, man. Yeah, it is. So what was that time frame from when you originally, you know, you got your education, you're beating your head against the wall by putting in a, a bunch of hours and not getting the results, then something shift, you finally got some results. What, what did that time frame look like? Yeah, my first deal was done June 20, uh, 2012, you know, yeah. packed up the end of 2012, went to Kansas City. And then it was probably mid to late 2013 where I was like, look, this is stress. Like, this, yeah. is, this is not what I wanted to build. And, you know, it wasn't overnight that I was able to put everything on autopilot. I just, it's scary, right? Like, it's scary to give up pieces of your business to somebody else and expect them to perform for you. So I had to look at first things first, what's the biggest time suck in my life right now when it comes to my business? What is it that's that's taking my time away from my family and from really higher level opportunities inside of my business. So the first thing for me was just to get rid of my phone calls. I was just attached to my phone. I couldn't do anything without my phone, man. And it turns out I actually hate being on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the beginning of my business, like it wasn't even a thought to think about hating that because it's just like you have to do it. You, you can't miss up on a deal or you can't miss on a buyer giving you a call. So for me, it was just like stepping away from that. And that was the first piece, just like my first deal, right? I did my first deal. I knew I could do 100. That first thing that I outsourced in my business was getting rid of my phone calls. And then I realized it's not as scary as I thought it was. Yeah. My business didn't crumble. Yeah, <laughs> it, actually, nice. it actually increased. So how did you outsource that, that first step? You know, my thought process was maybe I just need to hire an assistant that can catch all these things that I can't catch. And, yeah. but, then, but then I realized, you know, looking at the four-hour work week, I really, really love Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Um, it doesn't really talk about real estate per se, but it really talks about creating your life and being able to systemize your, your life, whatever it is. Yeah. And I know that he was relying on overseas help and he was also relying on call centers. Yeah. And for me, call centers just kind of checked every box for me when it came to my concerns for people taking over my phone calls. Like how many hours do I hire for, you know, are, are they going to be able to answer the call all the time? What if more than one call comes in? What if some, if my assistant gets sick, you know, the call center just answered all of those concerns that I ever had. And so that's how it started. I started with a local U.S. based call center, gave them my script. But I also wanted to make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. So I would actually do pretend calls. I'd call in and I'd pretend like I was a seller and I'd just pitch, I'd pitch curveballs at them. You sure. know, I want, to see, I want to see if they can catch these curveballs. And then if they can't, it's a great opportunity for me to get with customer support to educate them on, okay, if this comes up, you know, this is how we feel that. And just, it didn't happen overnight, but it happened pretty quickly because the call center wants your business. They want to do a good job for you. Sure. And it's not that expensive either. You know, you, they, they charge you per minute. You get packages. And then if you go over the package, then, then they charge you per minute, like a dollar a minute. And so it was way cheaper than trying to hire an assistant 
it's a lot more affordable than I ever thought, especially for the time it created in my business. I love that. What was the name of that company? Are they still around or? Yeah, today I use Nexa. Nexa used to be called Answer One. Yeah, yeah, Answer One, okay, nice. So what was the second thing that you outsourced? The other thing was I looked at, at all my busy work, you know, busy. the things that I, I hated, spreadsheets and organization and data entry and seller intake forms and just like the monotonous paperwork. I'm not, I'm not built for office work, Brandon. I'm, I'm uh. just not built for it. I got to admit my limitations. There are people that just get so much satisfaction doing that stuff. You know, yeah, not, not you or me. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not me, but you know, there's yeah. people that we can surround ourselves with. So that's the thing, right? Like we think we can do everything best in our business, even though we freaking hate some of these things. And so, you know, the next thing for me was to hire a virtual assistant. A virtual assistant was able to do a ton of behind the scenes thing and just kind of clear up all of my administrative duties. And that was a huge thing just for my mental health, you know, just not... Yeah happened to wake up thinking, man, I got this laundry list of stuff to do that I hate. You know, that, that alone was amazing for me. Cool. So the first one's time suck. A second, just busy work and getting the admin stuff together. Uh, now, like, what do you hate doing, you know, what is it that just doesn't bring, it's your business, right? You can do whatever you want inside your business. So why not do the stuff that you like and outsource yeah. the rest? Now, what does your team consist of now? You know, was there anything else after that, that you started hiring out? Of course. Yeah. I've, I've literally outsourced everything else to the point where sometimes I don't know what I feel bad because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm at like five hours a week sometimes or, or less. And it's just me overseeing the process now, you know, it's just systematic piece by piece. The next thing was windshield time. Like I hated going to seller appointments and being stood up or coming out covered in fleas or whatever. I felt like I had to be there. They had to see the face of the company, right? Yeah. Nobody needs to see this. Nobody yeah. needs to, see this to, to do a deal with me. You know, it turns out. So my ego took a hit, but my business grew. I outsourced that, you know, I, I hired an acquisitions manager and then that morphed into us just doing our offers over the phone. So then that position actually deteriorated into, I have a negotiation staff now. We'll come up with the offer amount and then we'll call the sellers before we actually take a look at the property. You know, we've been doing this long enough and we've been talking to, you know, our buyer investors, you know, I've done flips. I've done a, a good deal of flips myself. So I kind of know what the, what the budgets are. Sure. But, if, but if you don't do flips yourself, you know, if you talk to enough of your buyers, you kind of know on average what they're spending per house in renovations yep. to be able to come up with your offer amount. So we were getting beat on the punch sometimes of people that were getting to the houses before us. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought this up because I feel like I've heard this several times with new investors or, or new wholesalers to really be able to come up with the numbers and they're clueless on how to come up with the numbers. So therefore they don't feel confident in their offers and tying something up, especially like their first or second deal. You know, they're, they're shaking in their boots because they don't know if they're paying over or under trying to tie up a deal. Is there any recommendations that you would give on that or something that might've helped you more in the beginning? Obviously you got education and you had some mentors, so that was obviously pretty helpful, but. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a, there's a couple different ways you can go at it. If you're in your local market, I would just say, just pay your dues. 
go to a couple houses with a couple contractors and or a couple buyers and just pick their brain and say, look, you know what, I'm new. And spoiler alert, it's okay to be new. Everybody started somewhere. So I think in our heads, we have to pretend to be bigger than we are so people will respect us and it's not the case. It yep. turns out that everybody that's nice, and, yeah. and that's what you want to deal with, you want to deal with people that's nice. If they're not nice, who, why do you care? Don't even deal with them. Yeah. The people that are nice, they want to help you. They want you yep. to win. They want you to succeed. They want you to be able to learn. And they respect that you're not trying to act like you know it when you don't. So yes. don't be afraid to ask questions. I would probably ask a couple buyers on your buyers list, hey, I've got this house under contract and we walk it together so I can kind of see this house through your eyes. And if you don't have a house under contract, ask one of your investors that's working on a flip, hey, can I meet you at your flip property? I'd love to learn about what you're doing and use that opportunity to, to kind of see things through their eyes. If you're coming from a virtual wholesaler perspective, then you can do that same thing on the phone if you talk to enough buyers. Hey, what's your average cost per square foot on a renovation? And your yeah. buyers have that dialed in, they'll, they'll know. Yeah, I've utilized the same approach by, and I think I had no other choice, right? Because of the long distance when most of my portfolio is in Ohio. If we're doing the full remodels over there and I have, I have good contractors that can go over, do the walkthrough for me, virtually show me pictures, do a little video on their phone, you know, FaceTime and so forth. After walking through so many, even though I'm not personally there and I'm leveraging it out, you know, I get to see what the numbers are constantly coming back at. And once you look through a dozen or so, then, you know, it's very similar if, if it's in the same area, that's what I found. So, but I love that. Talk to some other buyers on your buyers list, other investors, reach out to contractors, do the walkthrough. You don't need to, you know, fake it till you make it type of thing. It's, it's uh, common sense to just go in, be upfront and let them know that, you know, you are new, you're trying to get more educated on this stuff. Good people will always, you know, serve and try to add value back to others. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing about wholesalers, especially when you're starting out, you think that that number has to be perfect. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is if you have 10 buyers, those 10 buyers are going to have 10 different labor costs, 10 different ideas of what they're going to do with the property and 10 different final budgets for it. So, you know, you don't have to know that number exactly. You just have to, like you said, you just have to have like a general idea ballpark of, of what it's going to be. And over time you'll cultivate that you'll get it. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody's numbers are slightly different. So uh, just build up your buyer's list, right? That's right. Now, now, how did you build up your list? Yeah. In the beginning, it was all about forming a relationship with real estate agents and having them pull the cash sold list. You know, I, if people aren't familiar with it, you know, agents want to help, you know, you, you find an agent that's willing to, to work with an investor. And, and you they like money them. too, right? <laughs> they love the money. They love yeah, money. Yeah. So it's, it's like they win if you win. So, you know, let's win together. And so I approached a number of different agents and said, you know, I'm doing some market research and I'm just trying to understand what areas are the hottest areas. I wonder if you could pull me a 90 day cash solds list in a certain area. And that way I can kind of put my finger on the pulse of the areas that I need to focus on. And it's a super easy search for a real estate agent to go into their back office, into the MLS and pull that up for you. And, and what happens is it, you ask for it in a spreadsheet. And when it comes in, there's no names on it necessarily. You're just going to have to grind it out and search for the names of the people who bought it. 
but those are all cash buyers there, you know. Some of them, a little bit of them, have just purchased a house to live in and, and they bought it with cash. But sure. the majority of those are investors and, and that's where I would start. I love that. But now, that's a good way because that's guaranteed, right? Like on social media, I love it. I can go on Facebook groups in my local area and there's people that are happy to throw their, their email to you. But the thing is with these cash solds lists, like if I'm on social media, I could tell you that I'm a gazillionaire and I just purchased 10,000 houses last month. But when you look at the cash solds list, like those are people that actually put their money up. Like you can prove that they actually did that. So I kind of do a combination of the both of those now. Actually, my team, even though, you know, business is going well, there's new buyers that are always entering the field. And so our team is constantly adding to the buyers list. However cliche that might sound, like the, the buyers lists are always growing. No matter if you have your top five buyers that buy from you all the time, it's good until it's not. So there's no reason why you don't keep continue to build your business with your buyers list. Super important. Yeah, I, I've heard that several times. You know, like even as you bu- build your list, you're going to most likely have your consistent five, you know, top five that are always, you know, buying from you. But, you know, it's good until it's not, right? So it is crucial to just keep on growing that list as new people are always stepping into the game. So build those relationships and you never know or their numbers, maybe their numbers, they can work out a little bit better and you can get a a higher buck from it and start a little bidding war. So who knows? That's exactly right. I mean, the buyers that were buying from me in 2017 are used to getting a certain price for deals. The buyers that are coming in 2019, 2020, they're paying a lot more than that. So of course I want to continue to keep cultivating that. Which area are you doing wholesaling in right now? Is it still Kansas? Yeah, the Kansas City market. I'm I'm in Missouri and Kansas, and then also my hometown, Cleveland. I do stuff in Cleveland area as well. Okay, wow, I love it. So why South America? <laughs> I mean, I I know you love deep down. You just love to travel, right? But it sounds like you're kind of planting roots there. Yeah, we we are we are planting roots here. You know, we started traveling with the mindset of the business is good. We love to travel, but let's see if we could just travel full time. Literally, we, we were looking up tickets. They're called RTW tickets, round the world tickets. And we were looking at buying tickets to take us to different locations and eventually just do a full circuit all around the world, maybe be gone for a year, year and a half. But what we decided was we wanted to kind of live in one place for at least a month and really kind of understand it. Because sometimes when you're on vacation, you come back tired. And we didn't yeah. want to be running, running, going crazy. We wanted to actually just be there, soak in. Let's see how the locals live. Yeah. And so we said, okay, geographically, let's see where we could go. We, we just decided to go south. We went through Central America. We had already spent some time in Costa Rica, so we already understood that vibe. So we went to Guatemala. And we really, really loved Guatemala and uh, the Lake of Titlan area. It's a beautiful lake community surrounded by volcanoes, and it's, it's gorgeous. The people are nice. And then we went to Panama. We spent a good time in Panama. Panama is beautiful. And then geographically just made sense to come to Colombia. We didn't know anything about Colombia. We didn't really know anything about South America. Uh, We had been to Aruba, which almost doesn't count as South America. It does and it doesn't, depending on who you ask. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we got here. And here's the thing with four kids. Traveling full time with kids is fun. Is it though? A little bit. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> is it though? A little bit. 
So my wife, she's an elementary school teacher by nature, by, by trade. Like that's what she used to do until she became yeah. a mom. And so we said, you know what, we've got the resources and the skills to be able to homeschool the kids. But a couple months of 24 seven, when we got to Columbia, we were like, maybe we could check out some of the schools here. Maybe there's a, some good yeah. education that we could get them. So that was our mindset. We said, okay, we're gonna be here for six months. We'll get them through half a school year. We found a public school, a private school that's great. Yeah. Teach them Spanish, teach them, this one is great because it teaches them entrepreneurship and ethics and technology. Nice, and then I love six that. six months turned into a year. And counting, because now this is just a home base for us. Uh, we still love, love, love to travel, but we love everything about Columbia. Um, the weather, the people, the food, the cost of living. Everything's been really great, and it's easy for us now to travel throughout South America. We just got back from a trip through Patagonia, and you know, planning the next trip coming up. So, you guys are in Colombia right now. Yeah, we're in Colombia. We're in Medellin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's that's very cool. So you're living like a king down there, then, right? Yeah, man. The, it's it's nice. It's nice when you can earn dollars and spend pesos. It's it's really incredible. And actually, with this coronavirus stuff that's going on right now, the American dollar, for whatever reason, the conversion rate is ridiculously strong. It's one of the strongest that it's ever been in the history of Colombia. So my dollar is going so much further than it was just a couple yeah. months ago. It's, it's pretty crazy. So, now, this is probably a simple question that I could probably uh, just Google later, but as far as the conversion goes, not conversion, but you're, you're getting American dollars and then are they wiring it into your bank account in Colombia? No, I guess? So, so I have my US bank account and then there's different services that allows me to put it inside a Colombia bank account. So that's how I do it. I want, I want all my money to kind of stay in the U.S. And then whatever I need down here, I'll funnel over to the Columbia bank accounts. Okay. Um, there's services that will let you transfer large money, amounts of, of money for just like $4 of transfer. That way you're oh, not going to pay the transaction fees and the conversion rates. That's how I set it up. Nice. Yeah, that's cool, man. Very yeah, cool. And I don't want to be taxed in two places. If you park too much money over here, they're going to get you for taxes here, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. That's cool, man. I love that. It's, uh, I, I think a lot of people are very interested in traveling, but not enough people are actually taking action and doing it like yourself. So even though, you know, the, the whole original goal was to travel as much as possible. And now you got, you guys have traveled a decent amount, but you found a location that you're really falling in love with. Hey, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So what does your guys' future look like? It sounds like you guys have everything on autopilot at this point, which is cool. And I don't know if you mentioned earlier or not, but your current rental portfolio, what does that consist of? Yeah, I've got a 20-unit apartment complex in, outside of Kansas City that we're okay. working on right now. That's an interesting project. It's a historical renovation. And so it took a year just to get uh, tax credits for it, but it's, it, we've increased the value by half a million dollars in the last year just by going through the paperwork channels that we needed to do. Other Thanks. than that, you know, so, so you're doing uh, like either, is it government funding for it or just, just tax credits? No, it's tax credits, you know, yeah. and, and um, what's nice is that the banks look at those tax credits as equity. And yeah. so it's really reducing our out of pocket for our construction costs on it too, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. That's cool. Thanks, man. And then we're going to we're going to do mixed use Airbnb and long term in there. Uh, cool. And so I have some Airbnbs and some short uh, some long term rentals as well in my portfolio in Kansas City. 
I love that. That's cool, man. So what does the future look like for you guys moving forward? And is it, yeah. is it basically, does your wife have anything to do with the business or, or you're kind of the main captain and then you oversee your different members in the team? Yeah. Don't let my wife know that you call me the captain. She doesn't, she won't, she won't you don't like, like that, right? I try to call myself the captain. She doesn't go for it. No, <laughs> I, I, so no, she does. She helps in the business. She, she's a real estate agent in Kansas city and Missouri which is amazing. So it gives us access to kind of keep our finger on the pulse and what's going on in the market. And then she lists all of our flips, which I'm actually phasing out because it doesn't actually meet my, my lifestyle goals because it's too much. It's kind of stress. I don't really, I don't love it as much as much as I used to love it. So I'm focusing more on the wholesales, but also with the leads that come in, sometimes we get leads that just don't make sense to make a cash offer on. They're all fixed up already. And it's a great opportunity for her to list it. And, you know, one of the things that we do to kind of put ourselves up above the competition, to take a step back, my wife, Sarah, her biggest objection was like, who would want to list their house with me when I'm not even there? And so we decided that we would take our biggest like um, detriment, like our biggest downfall as our biggest asset and say, hey, everything that we do is virtual and that's going to save you a ton of money. There's no overhead. There's no office. There's no expensive commission fees that we're just going to charge you 2%. Most of the agents out there will charge you three or 4%. And we we're saving money because everything we do is virtual and we're going to pass the savings along to you. And so we're getting a ton of conversions like that. Where people so good. That. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's like, what if they want me to meet at the house? And I'm like, we got, we can't BS that like, let's, let's just be upfront, but let's use that as our selling feature. And yeah. Like, yeah. Because that's going to be so attractive to so many other people, you know, because time is, is the biggest uh, thing that so many people are so busy these days, you know, not necessarily productive, but busy. And uh, so it's good to start marketing in that fashion and say, hey, this is all virtual, you know, save your time, save ours, save cost, which is awesome. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. That's smart, man. Yeah. It's a good relationship. It works yeah. out good. So for the future, are you guys just planning on scaling the business? Like, I guess what you guys are doing currently with numbers, are you planning on just hiring more people to fill more positions and scaling this more? Or are you guys happy with where you're at? Yeah. First of all, I'm super happy where I'm at. I, I don't ever want to put myself back in the rat race where I'm trying to compete with ghosts. I don't want to be trying to chase the tails of people that are ahead, like perceived ahead of me and just be happy in the moment that I am right now. That being said, of course, I'll always look to grow as long as it makes sense for my time allocation. I'm, yeah. really, I'm really, really focused on just, I've had so many experiences in my life to just remind me that life is just so short. Brandon, just this morning, I woke up and found out that my head plumber who does all of my main lines and you know, I, I just had him snake an Airbnb not too long ago, man, he passed away last night and he's younger than me. So there's just all these experiences in my life that just remind me that I just need to focus on what makes me happy. And I'm really happy with my business. Of course, I check in, I tweak it. I'm looking at some different markets to see if it makes sense to diversify out there without sacrificing a big time commitment. As far as what else the future holds for me, I've been super, super stingy the last few years with my time. And I'm just kind of getting out of that and realizing that you know, once you've created something for yourself that other people could benefit from, you got to reach back and you got to help other people out, man. Like, right. I know I'm the only one that's just trying to figure out how to spend more time with this family. Yeah. So, 
So for me, it's just really focusing on the education side of my business and just trying to help as many people as I can reach their goals as well. I don't, I know that everybody's goal isn't to live in South America or travel full time, but I'm sure a lot of people wish they had more time in their business. And, and I, I think I've got that figured out and have the tools to be able to share with people. So that's kind of what the future holds for me is just trying to help more people. Let's go. Oh, I love it. That's cool, man. You, you just gave almost an hour of your time. Is there anything that me or, or the listeners can do to give back to you? I'd love to hear success stories, man. If this has been impactful to people, I'd love for them to comment down below and, and share yeah. their successes with the world. And then if you want to come check me out, my website is theautopilot.life, you know, uh, escape the grind, own your time and finally be free. That's all about, you know, what I've been able to do in my business. I just literally opened up the doors to my exact business to show you this is who I hired for this. And this is how I found them. This is my negotiator. This is, you know, how we do every aspect of my business. And then there's also a free book, like no strings attached. It's not like you pay the shipping. It's literally just like a free book that you can download. It's called the book of mistakes. Why you're not where you want to be in real estate yet. And it just talks about the different trials and tribulations that I've made in the business. And hopefully people can learn and not duplicate those things and help them get to the finish line or whatever their goals are that much quicker. Love that. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, if you want to check out my website, theautopilot.life, and then go to contact me, I, I, I see all of those things. You can just send me a message there. And then I'm on Facebook at, uh, at Chad Bartlett. I love it. Well, man, there was so much good, uh, just amazing content in here. So I'm super blessed and, and excited that you gave your time to be on here and give back to the listeners. Definitely want to connect more with you and see what I can do to add more value to you because, you know, we'll definitely have to get you back on to dive deeper into all these different approaches, a part of your team as well. But you do offer coaching. Do you have a course as well, or is it more one-on-one -on -one or group setting? Yeah. yeah, I offer private coaching, group coaching, and then I just released a course called the REI Autopilot Secrets Masterclass. And it just, oh. it literally dives in step-by-step. -step. It's a hundred page workbook to keep people on track and on task, you know, and systematically, I, I think a lot of times, especially if you're new, it's just kind of overwhelming to try to figure out where do I start? You know, what do I do next? What do I do next? And I just, I literally took a step back of where I was when I was starting this process. And if I had to start from ground zero, day one, knew nothing, where would I start? And, and that's how I created that course. I love it. Well, Chad, I appreciate your time so much. I really do. It means the world to me. And I know the listeners have taken a bunch of gold nuggets. So if you are tuning in, listening to this right now, what you're going to want to do is hit that subscribe button to Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about it. Reach out to Chad as well. Reach out to me if you have any questions. You can find me at BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Otherwise, Instagram, BrandonElliottInvestments, and then Facebook.com slash BrandonElliottInvestor or facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott, R-E-I. But uh, Chad, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, we will see you guys all next week. God bless. Later. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.